Welcome to the podcast of Euless First United Methodist Church. Thank you for listening. We would love to have you worship with us in person. These messages come from our worship services Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11. We worship at 106 North Main Street in Euless, between Airport Freeway and Highway 10. May you feel the presence of God and may God bless you as you listen. Words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight because you and you only God are our strength and our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I needed the church to tell me that I was a sinner because without the church, I couldn't have known that, but I needed more than just to know I was a sinner from the church. I needed to know that the worst sin can do is break you, but Jesus has broken the power of sin. So I say I needed the church to tell me I was a sinner. I didn't need the church to tell me that I had done things wrong. I didn't need the language of the church to know that when I stole a toy from my brother, I shouldn't have done that. I didn't need the language of the church to tell me that, that if I took a cookie my mom told me not to take, I'd done something wrong. So I needed the language of the church, but I didn't need the language of the church to know, to agree with this thing that the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 7, where he said, I, I don't know what I'm doing because I don't do what I want to do. Instead, I do the thing I hate. You've been there. And the church gives us language to use for this thing or this knowledge that we all have. But if all the church gives us is language and words like sin and sinners, that I'm afraid the church hasn't helped us with our sin. So let me just ask you, and this, it's rhetorical. You don't have to answer out loud. You can answer uh, after the service or message me any potential way that you like. But I want to know, has the church helped you with your sin? Sorry, Willie, I skipped one. Has the church helped you with your sin? I want to invite you to think about that this morning. Now, to go back to the other slide so we can get back in order. The title for today, for this first message of the, ser- of the Sundays of the Lent series, Giving Up for Good, is Sinnercism. And it's intentionally a play on words because I'm concerned this morning, I've been concerned for a long time, that the church is very cynical about sin. So, we are in our society today really good at cynicism. I would argue, and I want to make my case this morning, that the church is really good at sinnercism because we display an attitude that there's nothing that can really be done about sin. So, to get back in order, has the church helped you with your sin? And you don't have to answer me out loud, but I hope you'll consider this because we're a church whose mission is to help people follow Jesus better today than yesterday. And I know other churches have different mission statements, but I'd like to think that 
every church's mission, however they state it, is somehow similar to the way we state ours to help people follow Jesus a bit better today than yesterday. And I would argue we can't do that if we don't help people with sin. And by helping people with sin, I don't mean just giving them a word that starts with S with which to describe all the bad things or wrong things they do. I mean to actually offer help. And for the church to help people with sin, we have to deal with our own stuff too. We have to help each other with sin. And to get us out of our cynicism and sinnercism in this particular congregational context, I think it's important for us now in early 2020 that we acknowledge some, just some of what we as a congregation have gone through because it's hard these days. All my pastor friends tell me it's hard to live as a growing, thriving church these days in 2020. It's like it never was before. And we can argue, and I'd love to discuss about the reasons for that and the ways it manifests. But for now, I just want to invite you to consider it's hard in America to be a church today. It's hard no matter what church you are. If you're a church that's just going along and everything's fine, it's extra hard. I want to make sure you know when in the last six and a half years you have lost property to the fourth highway project to take property from your church. And you lost that property and it included a building which there are still people who are active here who built that building and who, went, who grew up going to children's Sunday school and youth in that building and then you lost the building and we had this grand celebration in September because we were giving up the building and they didn't take it till February. And that was kind of rough. And it wasn't easy that we didn't know how to go about dealing with TxDOT when they're taking land from us. So we hired legal counsel and they helped us and they helped us receive more money from the state, I, I would say, than any of us thought was possible, which is awesome. But it still makes us think, what are we gonna do? Are we gonna renovate this place? We could renovate this place. And somewhere in that mix, lightning struck right there. And the good thing about that is somebody saw the lightning strike and actually called it into the fire department 100 yards down the road before the alarm even tripped. So there were flowers here because it happened just after midnight on an early Monday morning or late Sunday night. And there were flowers still here from Sunday. And the firefighters got here fast enough to cover the flowers with water so that the next morning when they were done and they were out of here, the flowers were still fine. But it's kind of hard on a church to worship outside of your sanctuary for 17 weeks in a row. And then in the midst of all this, okay, so we're gonna get some money from the highway and we're gonna renovate the building. Wait, a developer said this property's worth how much? That can't be right. You're right, it can't be right because we were able, God blessed us with even more than that developer offered us for this building. And we found other land in Euless that we could move to and it's hard to move because we've been here for 140 years. But we've been blessed with all this money from the state and all this possible money to sell this land. So we, we bought other land except that the offer fell through on this land. And it took a whole other year to renegotiate that and get an offer again on this land. And that was a couple years ago. And we've been in this treading water pattern. And many of you have seen the building and you've seen images online of the building that's going up. And we're excited about that. But there's been a lot of loss and challenge and frustration here. Because in the midst of all that, we also lost an associate pastor who had been part of this church for 30 years. And we've had other staff challenges along the way too, and it's been really hard. So if every church in the country is having a hard time right now helping people follow Jesus, 
we should give ourselves the grace to know we've had maybe an extra hard time helping people follow Jesus. And yet, here we are because we want to help people follow Jesus. So how do we do that? We help them by not just giving them the word sin and sinner, but by helping them. And here's how we do that. We teach them John Wesley's definition of the word sin. You've heard of John Wesley, probably. John Wesley is the founder of the Methodist movement, and he defines sin this way. He said, sin is a willful violation of a known law of God. Now, there's other levels and kinds and influences of sin. None of those matter today because today we're only talking about sins that we know we can do something about. And these are all the ones that are willful violations of a known law of God. Such as, your mama told you not to take a cookie. You took a cookie. Your parents told you, don't steal that toy from your sibling. Lots of people told you that instead of passing on the rumor that gives you a great dopamine hit to share what somebody did, they were so terrible. Instead of that, though, you know you could just go to the person and say, hey, I heard this. So a willful violation of a known law of God. And the reason we're focusing on those today is because those are the ones we can do something about. Because I would also guess... Even if you can't remember way back to all the times your mom made cookies, there was at least one of them that you didn't take a cookie. There's at least one time that you played with your sibling that you did not hit them first or steal their toy. There was at least one time when you heard this sweetest bit of gossip and did not pass it on. There's at least one time. I want to invite you to think about the times for you. Think of your own willful violations of a known law of God. I know you've got at least one. Now think of one that it came into your mind to take the cookie, steal the toy, spread the rumor fill in the blank of whatever other challenge you might face regularly, and you didn't. See, I think these are the kinds of challenges that we have that the, today's scripture readings bring before us, because the first, the reading of Genesis, which I will warn you, or, or I will admit in case you tell me later, the word sin does not actually appear in that story, which might make it problematic for us to make it too much about sin, but that's another discussion. So God has just created this gorgeous creation and this, put this lush garden in which the two humans he's created are to eat anything they want except that one tree. So then the story picks up. Where do they go? The one tree. And a talking snake convinces them that God didn't really mean what God said. It's okay. It would be a known violation or willful violation of the law of God, but you know, it'll be all right. God didn't know what he's talking about. Yada, 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 and they ate. And if that didn't feel close to home enough, because maybe yours wasn't a tree and a talking snake, God showed up, and I want to, I, I want to, we should have, I, 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 I kind of wish we would include this reading. God shows up after the man and the woman eat of the fruit of the one tree in the garden God told them not to eat from. God shows up looking for them, giving them an opportunity to come forward, not, not looking to kill them or hurt them or judge them or condemn them, but to talk to them. 
This is the God we worship, the God that when we give in to the brokenness that sin has in our lives, God comes looking for us to talk to us. And then what do they do? The man blames the woman and blames God. The woman, she blames the snake. Because it's often when we're confronted with willful violations of known laws of God that we look out for someone to blame. So then, contrast that with Jesus' experience that Thomas read in Matthew chapter 4, where Jesus knows as the devil comes to him and presents him with each of these opportunities, Jesus knows, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. I will not do that. So there's an opportunity to willfully violate a known law of God, and Jesus doesn't. And you can say if you want, yeah, but that's Jesus. But there was at least one time that you didn't take the cookie. There was at least one time that you didn't steal the toy or hit your sibling. There was at least one time that you didn't pass on the rumor. So you have in you the same ability that Jesus demonstrated in Matthew 4, which is not to willfully violate something you know is a law of God. You have that opportunity. So I invite you this week under our giving up for good. Willie, have I missed any slides, man? I feel like uh, awesome. We'll, we'll come back to this. The worst sin can do is break us, but Jesus has broken sin's power over us. So it's on us, the church, to sh share with the world that has got the word sin and sinners from us to know that the worst sin can do is break us, but Jesus has broken sin's power over us because we can all share at least one story of a time that we didn't do it. And I want you to know, admitting out loud or even to yourself that you didn't sin once is not self-righteousness and idolatry. It's just giving God glory for helping you not sin. So I want to invite you this week to claim one time that you haven't willfully violated the known law of God and then celebrate it. Share it with somebody you trust, somebody that will share that with you as good news, that you have victory over that specific sin. If you can only do one all week, fantastic. But I want you to know this. If we can learn to claim victory over sin as God gives us victory over sin, we will start to enjoy the feeling of victory over sin. And once we start living like people who have victory over sin, then we can help the world around us grasp sin better because they won't see it just as the final verdict against them. They'll see it as an opportunity to see God's love in action. Please pray with me. God, we are grateful for your goodness, your mercy, your presence, your love, that you come to us when we have fallen and when we are broken. You come to us to speak with us, to hear from us. God, help us as your people to know our brokenness, to name it as sin, but to name it as this kind of sin that you have come to give us victory over. Help us to know and to live out the truth 
that the worst sin can do is break us, but that Jesus has broken sin's power over us. And God, teach us to live that way so that we can share with the world the good news of Jesus, not just the word sin. We thank you in Jesus' name.